0: You're listening to the Changing Normal Podcast, where we strive to outdo the old normal and reject the new normal. And now your hosts, Owen, Dan, and Ben.
1: Hey, everybody. This show is a fireside chat between the three of us that I just happened to hit uh, record on. We chat about automation, skill set, and survivalism,
0: self-reliance,
1: and Bitcoin. Hope you enjoy.
0: So when you go to uh, quote a um, a contractor job, do you have like a template or a checklist?
1: I have a spreadsheet made with all of my most common fittings on it. Mm -hmm. And then, and the prices set in them. And then I've basically just made that spreadsheet do all the calculations for me. So I can just go through in my head and go, oh, I need so many of this fitting, so many of that fitting. And okay. just punch in the fittings I need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It calculates a third column for the cost of that fitting or those fittings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it totals it, separates my markup, gives me a subtotal. And then I have another row for labor, which is so I can just punch in how many hours I think it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And it gives me a total at the bottom.
0: Okay. So does that mean you have to update it? Maybe you get an annual price list from the wholesaler or something?
1: Yeah. I usually like, like it's been a little while since I've done, it's maybe been a year since I've done a big house. So I've, you know, small jobs. I don't worry too much about it. Mm. The prices seem to have stabilized on most things compared to what they were over COVID. Okay. I actually found a few fittings. The price went down a little bit since last time I'd updated it. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I usually go through every, you know, a couple times a year when I do, when I place a big order, I just take my mm-hmm. invoice when I get it and go through and update my
0: mm-hmm. list. Yeah. So wouldn't it be an advantage to a wholesaler if they like offered something on their website that would do the same function that, that would be like, automatically updated with their prices. That would be lovely. <laughs> you would think that would make sense, wouldn't it? It'd be a sales think advantage. that would. Oh,
1: absolutely. A quote maker with all of their fittings and everything they, they offered in there. Yeah, including so you just what had to select sock, it.
0: Like, oh, you're going to get it and so yep. on.
1: Yep, that would be.
0: Hmm.
1: But they would probably find people would just use it and then go buy it somewhere else, maybe.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's not going to well, give them prices for somebody else. So it's like if it's basically no. you can fill it out and then hit order these parts at the bottom, <laughs> people would do it just because it's that easy. Right. Yes. Yeah. I think sometimes it's hard to get the tech that exists implemented everywhere it should be. And so it, we end up just stuck slogging our way through the technology of two decades ago instead of using the mm-hmm. more efficient Streamlined version. Um,
2: oh, you know, yeah. Andrew
0: was talking about that. Like, they were, you know, uh, he works on a online calculator website basically okay. that can calculate a variety of things. And they were trying to, um, get a contract to do work for like a big hardware store company, you know, to run plugins on their website that would let them input some measurements. And they would say, Oh, you need this many sacks of quick or this many. Bricks or Mm. whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And uh, the person they were talking to is just so concerned about the liability issue. If if someone got given a wrong number (laughs) and then Mm. named the retailer. Right. So it's hard. It's like, you know, you offer something, you could put a disclaimer on it. You could say 99.9% accurate or whatever. And it's like, no one expects perfection. well, I shouldn't say that. N- nobody should if they're actually working with hands-on materials. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. That that tends to kick some common sense into you at some point. Hmm. Yeah, it's too bad. So we can't have uh, all the super efficient toys until the, the robots take over and get everything set up for us.
1: That's right. Once once AI has has handled everything and is running the world, then we'll be all set. Well, I won't have to do anything. I'll just have to think about my order, and it'll place mm. it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So once I get my Neuralink from from Elon Musk installed.
0: Hmm. How many decades do you think they're away from a, a robot that can actually do <laughs> something as difficult as pipe fitting?
1: Uh, apparently. So I, I've always been interested in this because, you know, Jack talks about the, um, you know, automation taking over, and you know, this is just an inevitability, and that most people's jobs are replaceable by machines or AI or some sort of automation. And uh, I can't remember if he was talking about it or I'd read this somewhere else, but there was a they'd made a list of jobs and they'd ranked them in the order most likely to least likely to be replaced by machines mm. or by automation
0: mm-hmm.
1: plumbers, plumbers were at the bottom of the list.
0: Mm. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. Who else is supposed I mean, to cut ugly holes in floor joists?
1: <laughs> but, that's, but that's the thing, like that takes like a certain amount of problem solving and like custom problem solving, that would be really hard to standardize to the point mm-hmm. of, a machine being able to do it.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's what it comes down to the perceiving all the data in a complex environment, especially when stuff's broken and stuff becomes super complex. Then processing that to do the problem solving side. It seems like that just requires like so much technical ability. It's like the computing we can do. Right. Yes. The, uh, perceiving the environment, I guess. So interesting. And then what do you do with data? You have to have a model that can take in the data and figure out what it is. So it's crazy that our our brains can do that. And you have experience on a particular job and you can do something that the best computer engineers can't make a bot do yet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it is. And well, and I think what part of the problem is everything is different. Like no two houses are the same. No two sinks are the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I understand there's only so many brands of, you know, faucets and fixtures and things. So that's that you could, you know, program a database of, but the 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 custom, customizability of a house and how it's laid out, it, I just don't know how you could, mm. like there's so many little intricate, like if something is a little bit different in a house, it can cause everything else that's the same to have a different outcome as far as like problem solving the issue.
0: Mm-hmm. The cascade eating so, effect, right? Is that why you, yeah. you change one thing and it has right. a ripple effect. You change the next thing and so on. Yeah. <clears> then. <throat> like you know, yeah. <laughs> Fantasy sports reference. Oh. <laughs> ben shows up to talk about hockey right on cue.
2: <laughs> i live in the great white north well it's not that white it's yeah there's not that much about snow. how great it is
0: i went skiing today and uh snow is pretty thin in the woods still and then the, the trails are ice, so i almost mm. almost shattered my tailbone
2: <sighs> which ai model are you guys talking about
1: Uh, not really any particular model. We were just, I was, I was, he was, we were talking about pricing these jobs on pricing out and he was asking how I do it. And then we were talking about the replaceability of people's jobs and how in the list that somebody had made up of jobs that are likely to be replaced with automation, they'd made a list sort of like most likely to least likely and least likely was Mm -hmm. plumbing. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel I feel pretty good about that job security
2: for the next well rest (laughs) of my life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wasn't initially that they thought it was going to be the blue-collar jobs that got replaced first, but then the more they realized how quickly AI could learn like the the thinking side of things, that they're like, uh oh, white collar jobs are gonna be the ones that are gonna be replaced. Mm
0: Well, that's a yeah, not... proposition too, right? If you could replace people, would you rather replace the, the people you're paying a white-collar salary or?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the white-collar salary.
1: Well, certainly there's some of those blue-collar jobs that get replaced with automation.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You know, even, even when... It can be easily automated. You know, like yeah, the... Yeah, self-checkouts and stuff port. like
1: that. Yeah, exactly.
0: What, what's the number? It. it there's was a crazy number of people used to be employed as switchboard operators. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, crap. I remember seeing
2: plugs that. Connecting cables it used to be like long walls of just, you know, was it the area codes basically is what it was, and you were just trying to connect one line. I think so. And the next one mm. in 1910,
0: there were 88,000 telephone operators in the U.S. By 1920,
2: there was 178 thousand. By 1930, 235 thousand. It's a lot of jobs, just in the U.S. alone. Yeah, yeah. that's wild. Hmm. There was no, uh, there was
1: no switchboard operator. I don't think, like, here. But when I was a kid, we had, we still had a party line. Mm-hmm. on our road but no switchboard operator it had been automated at that point
0: mm-hmm. but so that was the first level of automation they could have a machine basically group um certain i guess lines like uh, this road is is this line and you yeah, have exactly some limited uh automated switchboard which i wonder how those if, if that was a digital thing or like a mechanical machine i never thought about the the first automated switchboard machine yeah. what it would have looked like it
1: must have been mechanical because would it would thought, have been would so. pre, pre-computer really
0: mm-hmm. i mean
1: not truly pre-computer because they wouldn't have had computers old,
0: that but... could do that job until what the 80s uh yeah i'm
1: You're not, not a computer
0: sure historian <laughs> no i but that would be my guess but they had the system you were talking about uh Well, that'd be our our grandparents' uh, time frame, right? Yeah. So in the 30s, that must have been been peak in the 1930s, peak number of switchboard operators, and then they had the system switched in. So, yeah, there's definitely some things easier to automate than others. Probably the hamburger creation is going to be one of the ones that's going to get automated. It'll all be like (laughs) a... Uh, a box, and you hit, punch the number, and it spits it out.
2: Well, they've already got well, the milk extraction automated. Well,
1: exactly. Well, you think about that, and then you think about things like you know, factories have been automated forever to varying levels, and it's just, I, I, so, so I guess there's just different levels of it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. some of it's been around a long time and nobody thinks twice about it.
2: Mm-hmm. They go,
1: well, yeah, of course there's a machine that welds and, you know, you look at those videos of a car manufacturing line and there's just robotic arms going everywhere, attacking and putting stuff and doing things mm-hmm. over and over again. So that was, I mean, that was kind of the first wave of automation, you know, McCain's French fry plant, you know, I, we used to know one of the guys who was an engineer who helped develop the automation mm-hmm. for McCain's and he developed like the, like a machine, for example, they used to have to pick uh, uh, French fries by hand, basically if there was ones that were bad
0: mm-hmm.
1: or whatnot
0: mm-hmm.
1: after the cutting process, yep. they would be on a conveyor belt and they'd have to just hand pick. Well, he'd made this machine developed this machine. Maybe he didn't all by himself, but he was part of the, one of the engineers, one part of the team. Mm-hmm. that that had a a water jet and they ran the the French fries super fast over a, a narrow gap. Mm-hmm. So they were going fast enough that they would cr- cross the gap without falling down in the gap. Mm-hmm. And then they had an eye sensors watching the conveyor. And then they had water jets over the gap. So as that French fry, it would identify a bad French fry. And as it crossed the gap, it would shoot a blast of either air or water, I can't remember which now, and blow the french fry down into the gap. Mm, mm-hmm. Just that one french fry. <laughs> you know, so like they eliminated a whole pile of jobs and automated this you know whole system and did it more accurately and faster mm, mm-hmm. than, than any people could do. Yep. You know, so...
0: Yeah, it's, it is wild. When you have a, a job with enough motivation to solve it, like someone mm. is going to figure it out. Hmm. Yeah. And usually, uh, I think in these sort of systems, you usually maintain some oversight, but it's like maybe the machine replaces nine of your 10 workers. Yeah. Removing bad fries, and you have one to watch for what the machine just misses. That's right. So it's pretty cool.
1: And then what'll be interesting to see is how much ai which is that next level automation can maybe replace some of those jobs even some of those oversight jobs
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: if if that happens you know it'll be interesting to see if it happens Mm -hmm. i know there there are definitely ai bots being written or coded i guess just so that you can punch uh a body of text into it and it'll tell you if it was written by an AI bot or not. So there's already <laughs> there's already AI chat bots that will check to see if it's written by an AI chatbot because that was a huge <laughs> uh, that's a huge concern, I don't know what it was, six months ago when I was really listening to podcasts about it. They were talking about how, you know, it's gonna make things drastically harder for instructors Mm. and professors at universities just you know it's gonna have to go back to writing writing papers on pencil and wood fiber paper just to prove that they're genuine Mm. yeah and uh because like even even right now or i guess not right now but like two years ago two years ago 2019 the year after (laughs) i graduated college i knew an instructor at a college who uh had to expel a student for plagiarism and mm-hmm. i don't i'm not sure how far down the road they were on the ai deal or whatever in google but um it was on a topic that the instructor was relatively familiar with and it's like "Hmm, this sounds familiar to a paper i read just <laughs> and uh it was a digital is a digital report and just literally took a paragraph, punched it into Google, and Google brought up that uh, scientific report. Right. So that, and I mean, like that's probably what bare basic AI—you know—just word match essentially in a mm-hmm. search engine. Yeah. But always, it's been there. Uh, yeah.
0: So we're basically going to need a little. A, a tool kind of like you have a, your VPN app on your devices, but this one's going to be like an AI screening app <laughs> to try and d- detect, uh, computer generated images and messages. Hmm. Yeah, I think,
1: I think the images and messages are the, or images and, and uh. video is the worst. Like mm. to me, that is the, the most, is, is more dangerous than just the text. Mm-hmm. Just because we, we, you know, I, I, I'll believe it when I see it is so yeah. built into our brains. We can read something and say, well, I don't believe that because I didn't see it. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you can watch a video of Joe Rogan talking about this or that. Or the and prime then- minister of Argentina speaking in English. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then, and it's nothing like it's totally fake. You go, oh, that was created by AI. Like, I don't, I don't know what to believe now. Was, Mm -hmm. was the Argentinian speech fake? I know the other one was. The the other one? There was another one there where some some young guy got up at the podium and just went off and basically had a big rant on that against the WEF. That one was fake, but I wasn't sure if the Argentinian
2: president's speech, I didn't think that one was faked. but Mm. Uh, I mean, based on his past history, I would say it's not much of a stretch for him to do that. Mm right in that in that platform i don't know my i haven't i might have seen a thumbnail of the other the other one but i haven't watched it so i didn't i didn't even know there was a second one
1: okay i just thought you were talking like because you said that i was like oh was that one fake as well but there there literally Uh, is i've watched i've watched videos of that that it's joe rogan's voice it's video of joe rogan with like interspersed with clips you know how people will take like clips of his interviews and then overlay pictures and whatever yeah about what he's talking about and I was like wow this is this is pretty crazy what he's saying like that what what interview was this like what did he do this with like I, I want to listen to this whole episode only to discover <laughs> it was completely AI generated and was completely fake but
0: mm-hmm.
1: it sounded just like him mm-hmm. you know yeah. so like you, yeah I mean, you get targeted and all of a sudden it's someone that sounds exactly like your spouse parent child on the other end of the phone yeah or on the other end of video Hmm. yeah
0: like
1: i'm not (laughs) i'm not not anti-ai like i think these technology is a powerful tool and people should learn to harness it for good I mean, we live in – we're at where we're at in society because of technology and the harnessing of it to make our lives easier and do work for us. And so it's not a bad thing, but like TV and the internet and all of these other things, it it, you know, guns, it comes with – a good and a bad side, you know, nuclear energy, (laughs) you know, like we we can think of all these things that are, can be very powerful tools to make a better world, but they also have a pernicious side that's really dangerous or can be abused or can be, you know, uh, uh, you know, evil people can take and
2: do bad things with. Um, so can the solution to that, be a continuing, continuing forward of what has got us here. That, Cause you mentioned the harnessing of technology to advance us to where we're at now. Do we mm-hmm. just continue that and, and a harness this technology? Cause it's all coming from humans and humans have bias. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why, that's why when you, type into chat gpt you like uh you ask it to give you a speech about president trump trump and they're like or ex president former president trump whatever and it says mm-hmm. well no i can't because it could be hateful or whatever but then you say um well can you write me a speech about for uh current president joe biden and it's like you know just this yeah. flowery praising feel basically so and uh, so I, th- I think harnessing the technology as we have done, like I said earlier about like the chat or the AI, the AI bots that are already checking to see if it's if you're reading an AI bot, because it's just gonna it's just gonna learn more, right? Like you guys were already yeah. saying, it's gonna keep learning. Gonna keep yeah, no, better, I think I think that's accurate. an
1: important point is to say that. It's almost as dangerous. So, okay. So let's, so if you have people that say AI has a bad evil side, it can do all these, there's a potential for this bad stuff. So I want nothing to do with it. I don't want to have anything to do with, with chat GPT, with AI, with anything. Well, what you're doing is you're giving up the tool that you need to fight the evil use of the tool. You're right. You're saying I'm not going to have the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator fight on my side against the T three thousand or whatever the <laughs> whatever the <laughs> the evil Terminator was. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not going to carry a gun for self defense, even though all the people that want to harm me are carrying guns. You, you, yeah. you. It, it's that it's that idea of so we. we if you want to protect against the evil side of a technology, because you don't control the technology, getting rid of the technology out of your life does not protect you from the technology. Saying, I want nothing okay. to do with guns, does not protect some you from someone else shooting you <laughs> because they have adopted the technology. So the best way to fight against the evil side of a technology is use the same technology in your own protection.
2: So, yeah, just, mm-hmm. make, just make sure when you do the backburn that the wind conditions are favorable and it's not you know, 10 kilometers long. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's an interesting thing because I, I kind of had this and I, this is a little bit off topic. I'm sorry, Dan, did you want to say more on that topic? I or? was
0: just going to throw in a quick comment that human reflexes as a a community seem to be still so tribal it's kind of like here's a a problem we can't quite explain or haven't got a good grasp of well ask the witch doctor and he'll pronounce (laughs) judgment one way or the other and then bam this thing is banned for the whole tribe (laughs) and it's like we still have that in our psyches I think
1: oh yeah yeah for sure
2: I am science. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I had this. So I had a, a start of a little bit of a conversation today online with someone, sort of related to that.
0: Were they a real person?
1: Yes, they were. Oh. I do believe. Um, they post a lot. I don't know.
2: I had one with. I had one with someone on Noster, and it was, the the giveaway was the fact that it was literally like half a second after I would reply to yeah. a comment, it was like full paragraph yeah. went. Yeah, you're a you're an a, you're an AI bot, aren't you? Anyway, sorry, not trying to hijack it. No, it's all right. And they what they do is they tend.
1: This person often will pose questions in this group, and they're doing it to elicit responses to get people thinking about their preparations and you know, it's, it's you know things like that. And often they will have some sort of a you know moral quandary or. Yeah. Anyway, sometimes the questions are really good. Sometimes they're really dumb. But uh, the question I saw it was either today or yesterday. I forget which. Was it wasn't really a question. It was more of a statement. And they had like a pile of you know like games like Monopoly and I don't know Life and the deck of cards and I don't know, they a pile, you know Operation. I don't know a bunch of the, a bunch of these sort of classic games. And they basically said. You know, you want to make sure that in your preps, you have something to do when the grid goes down because you can't rely on your phone or your Xbox or, you know, whatever. And there's not going to be as much to do. So you're going to have to rely, you know, you want to make sure this is part of your preps. And I, it got me thinking, I said, so You think you're going to have spare time if the grid goes down. You know, kind of like it takes a lot to survive. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of hard work. You're probably not going to be sitting around playing board games when the grid goes down if you're planning on surviving.
0: Mm.
1: And someone replied, someone else replied, oh, so they didn't didn't play games a hundred years ago, (laughs) right? Before electricity is what they were implying. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, maybe they did, but the skills that they had, the life that they grew up in, the environment they, they lived in, that was second nature. Their survival was second nature. They had all those baselines established for them, that allowed them then to have some leisure time but we have currently in society such an excess of leisure time oh, that yep. i don't i don't think most people realize how much work it takes to survive if you especially if you haven't done that base layer of skill building and preparation for living in that way Mm. We have so much leisure time in modern society and our technology has enabled that. It's given us mm-hmm. way more leisure time than we ever have had in history because mm-hmm. so much time in history, it, people have just had to work to
2: provide for their basic needs.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you guys have read 1984? I never one. have. No. Okay, well, me three. Um, (laughs) I've
0: I've been waiting for the update.
2: Uh, 2024. So, yeah, obviously, you know, the last three, four years, um, almost four, anniversary coming up, uh, we've heard a lot about the 1984 thing. And here in the last probably six months, kind of been looking at like classical literature and and looking for books to get hard copies of and just kind of build a library of just you know words that people can't change and one thing that kept popping up was uh this um this book's called Brave New World by Aldous Huxley it's written in the early 1900s so i think it's pretty, 30 or 40 years before Orwell wrote 1984. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, is actually, I don't know if either of you guys have heard of it, but it's basically, Oh, you have. Okay. So oh, yeah. mirror image. It's,
1: if you, if there's basically, it's one of the three books that's recommended for people of our mind to, to, to read 1984, a brave new world. And, uh, and Rand's sure, book. Um,
0: uh, is that Atlas shrugged? Atlas shrugged. Atlas shrugged. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I did. Re- I. Well, okay. This side trail. Would you guys count listening to a book on Audible as "quote unquote" read?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, if no, you if you, learn, if you learn if you learn if you learn that way, I I would go in one ear and out the other for me because I'm not an auditory le- learner, so I have to sit and read it. Right. But.
0: I uh, thought that crossed my mind was this is how language evolves. Somebody says, huh, can we do this? And the other guy says, Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh so um I consumed I uh took in the the book A Brave New World and was um like i said haven't read 1984 heard it's very similar to what's going on as far as uh you know the whole governments and stuff going on with covid but night uh brave new world just sounded so much more uh, applicable isn't the word but like fitting with what is going on in our society like you said Owen when with all this technology we literally have excess of leisure time and that's the entire premise of brave new world um you know they're genetically modifying people they've got classes of people you don't go outside your class um there's a great overlord steph overseeing everything and um you know and it, but it's it's basically just it takes it's taken out all hardship from society and just drugged people sometimes literally with pleasure and just leisure time and vacations and parties and whatnot. And, um, I just kind of like, man, how was he thinking like this or is someone reading Brave New World and then just like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do it like this, okay, and we're gonna do it like that, okay, yeah, yeah now we're good. Yep, next checklist, good, or hope falling right in line. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. I
0: hmm. wonder how many people of our generation would, would agree with the idea that we have too much time. <laughs> Like, is that a generally recognized thing? And uh, no,
1: I I wouldn't say that most people would say we have too much time at all.
0: Like I I would say oh uh, views, but um like the the discontent. It's like oh I can't come ahead and. Just working too hard, and I'm overwhelmed, that I don't have a life. And it's, it is interesting to compare that to what our great parents went through. Um, I'm not sure what they would say if they if they saw the current generation, but uh, we do have these things that are hard to correct: yeah, choice overload, um, uncertainty, what to do with our leisure time that would make it meaningful and refreshing, and so many things like these. So, how do you how do you solve those problems? And is it the uh, the unplug type movement? Well, you just have to get away from the technology to allow your brain to function the way it was meant to be.
2: Let me get back to you in five years, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> we need a test subject. <laughs> Oh man, so, oh, it's funny. I kind of been thinking, thinking about it, getting getting towards that as well. Whether that you know whether that means just doing away with all of social media or just like a minimizing, but.
1: Well, I say again. I think this kind of circles back to the idea of using technology. Um. I don't think that having spare time is bad. We can utilize that spare time for good. Mm. I think where society falls down is because they don't utilize that spare time for anything other than
0: Mm
1: -hmm. trivial pleasure. Right. Mm -hmm. I can use my spare time for, you know, things that, support my family or learning new skills, you know, or whatnot. And we do need rest. Like, I'm not like, don't get me wrong. We bodies need to rest and have fun. And, and you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking pleasure in, in life, but we don't, I I think so much of it is of that spare time is wasted.
0: Mm. So I
1: think as long as we're, we're, we're capitalizing on that spare time, and using it usefully,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I don't. I don't think you know. I'm not. I would never advocate for going back to a previous time and say, "Well, I'm barely just going to. You know, <laughs> I'm going to barely survive." So that I have no free time because I don't want to, you know, get caught in using my free time badly, as if that's the 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 all terrible sin.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you move the environmental stress from. Uh, Technology and all this overload of things back to your stress comes from uh, nature trying to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> the old fashioned way. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, my interest in, in digging into this, I think it comes back to it's like, what should I teach my kids? It's like, and how, like, how do I want to shape their education so that they, they kind of know what they want to pursue with their time? Mm-hmm. And I think I don't know the the thing I've hypothesized as the, the most important thing is to maintain uh, that element of curiosity. And it's when you lose curiosity that you get stuck in that rut.
1: Yeah, it's, it's this con- it's this idea that life is learning, not grades one to twelve. society has this idea of well, I, i you know i go grade one to 12 and maybe four years of university maybe eight years of university if i'm really smart and that's it and you know i'm set for life instead of saying life is learning and i learn through the entirety of it until the day i die and if you approach it from that sort of aspect of like you you call it curiosity which that's a good word for it because so often is that's how, you know, things that we learn start, you go, Oh, I'm curious about this. And so you research it. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so, so I like that, that framing,
0: <clears throat>
1: it keeps you on that path of, mm-hmm. of mind engaged, utilizing your, your time, hopefully in being curious about things that are profitable. Mm.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, a passion for creation, too, or yeah. for perfecting yes. a skill. Yeah. Yeah, that's not necessarily curiosity-driven. I mean, but you still yeah. learn a long that's way. It's
2: improvement-driven.
0: Uh, <clears throat> the improvement. And the desire to create. I think that's something that really needs to be, like, education should be centered around that. You know, fulfilling curiosity in a healthy way and and uh, teaching the tools and more so the methodology to creation, not just how you do this thing and then turn your brain off and do it again and again and again. But it's like, how <laughs> are you interested in creating things? So. Hmm.
2: Yeah. I've also been thinking about cuz now we've got two kids so you know we're thinking what are we going to do about their grandkids like how can we how can we look at what we are able to produce now what we're able to teach and influence now that's going to positively affect down to that fourth generation away from Steph and I and one thing that I think is part of it is just enjoying finding enjoyment in the the necessary things, whether that's clearing part of some property for a house or you know, felling the trees for said house or learning how to mill out timbers for it and things like that. So I can, I can definitely uh, come alongside you in trying to see where that goes, Dan, for sure.
1: Yeah, well, you're creating a lifestyle when, when you do that. When you, when you do things on your own, you're, you are creating that lifestyle, and your kids see that and mimic it, and if you continue that in whatever areas you do, They really what you're trying to teach them in many ways is the idea of the self-reliance of this thing I want, this thing that I need, I will now go and get it and create it, not just go down to the store and or get on the phone and call someone to come do it for me. You know, which is sometimes that's what you got to do. I'm not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but Mm -hmm. Um, you are creating this, building that self-reliant sort of mindset when you do those things, when you grow the garden or have the animals.
0: Mm. I think it's a lot about what you want. And we've talked about time perspective. And I think that ties in because there's nothing really that uh, is intrinsically desirable about self-reliance. You know, we talk about its value for survival, basically. But without that element, it's like it has no particular purpose. I mean, isn't it better to uh, interact with people than to not need to? Um, So I feel like it can kind of distract from what we need to be looking to, which is, I think, that longer time frame. And uh, I think there's nothing better than being in the woods. Looking at the trees and particularly um, nurturing that tree crop, something that will take decades to produce. You know, I've been out in the woods a fair bit the past uh, three, four weeks, and you know, cutting down that about scr- to scrub firewood. And <laughs> it's it's a different and refreshing change of pace to look at trees that are. actually, oh, this is a healthy one, but it's only like four inches thick at the moment. It's like that's going to take a while but you're taking actions that will produce long down the road. And I think that's something it's, it's easy to um, tie together the curiosity for how you go about nurturing something like that. And and that creativity of having produced something that is more productive. And I think self-reliance should be not maybe the stated objective, but something that happens along the way.
1: Yes, Absolutely. I mean, I think it can be a, an objective, and sometimes I think we have to make it the objective, especially when we start out, because, you know, people, people are so not self-reliant <laughs> that mm-hmm. they have to say, no, I have to be deliberately – I have to deliberately do this and go out of my way, because I have the resources. Like, in some ways, I have not experienced that, because I – I, I always had to be that way because, mm-hmm. well, I didn't ha- didn't have the money, so I just had to do it myself. Or, you know, I, I, I couldn't afford to, to for someone else to do something for me to, to, you know, fix my car. So I had to figure out how to fix my car, you know, or whatever the example is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you have the resources just to farm that out, you you have less incentive. <clears throat> so you have to make it the stated purpose to say, no, no, I'm going to do this myself because I need to learn mm-hmm. this or be more self-reliant. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Sure. It doesn't have to be that way. It it can just be the result of doing these other things for other reasons, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I guess in some ways, that's saying I don't want to hyper specialize, which we've been economically incentivized to do. Yes, because of the. Cheap energy and in logistics is like everyone can hyper focus on a particular skill set and get really good at that, and that makes the most economic sense. Yep. But then you have uh, the, the inability to create a pencil by any yep. single person. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, as, as a great man once said, "Specialization is for insects." I don't know if you guys know that reference but
0: i don't know that one that's an that's
1: an old one from jack Uh, okay jack said that years many many years ago back when i first was started listening to him he was big on building skills and uh for a while ran a website called 13 skills it was this idea that you learn 13 skills every year well interesting yeah. Maybe not master them, but you know, like you 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 pick 13 things and your year was dedicated to getting some kind of proficiency in those thirteen things. The website no longer exists, it's it's dead and gone. It's you know, but it was decided it was a website designed to try and help people, you know, pick and manage and track their skills and things like that. And he always said specialization is for insects. <laughs> they do one thing and they do it really well but they can't do anything else. And right. self-reliant people aren't that way. They're they're good at a lot of different stuff or have the some sort of level of proficiency in a lot of different stuff. <clears throat>
0: mm-hmm.
1: So this wouldn't be a show that talking about Bitcoin
2: But I look, I bit my tongue already, Owen, so thank you for being the <laughs> one to break the ice.
1: <laughs> uh, maybe we want to save this for another show, I don't know. But
0: uh It's just chugging along, right? It's it like is the indestructible version of the Titanic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's gonna smash that iceberg. Yeah, I kind of feel like we get a tiny bit of excitement and then it goes pop. And it's like, oh, yeah, Bitcoin's doing its thing. Carry on.
2: So I <laughs> just yeah, I, I, get another reminder. I, yeah. I
1: ha- So I have a question, a specific question, but I am going to save that for another day. Um, I'm not going to tell you are- what
0: my private keys are.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I, I I already know those. No. Uh, <laughs> um, d- so my question is much more superficial. What was your, all, what all was your reaction or gut feeling the week after the ETFs were approved and basically nothing happened? Actually, price went down. Mm. Were you like Disappointed Were you elated Were you Ambivalent
0: I was pretty ambivalent I was kind of wondering If there's going to be a big spike And I was like oh Bitcoin's growing up (laughs) (laughs) It's not Failing quite so much (laughs) Uh, More so that there is that element of stability is coming into the price and it's going to be a lot harder to have quite as wild of a, of a bull run perhaps, but you know, it could surprise us again. But uh, I think I was a little bit disappointed maybe, but then I took the positive that Bitcoin's more stable than it used to be. And uh, price will go up when the having happens. So,
2: I was massively disappointed because uh, not long after they were approved, I lost Shake streak. <laughs> <days>. <laughs> So, Bitcoin related, but not ETF related. No, yeah. I, as I, I was mildly excited because it's, it's more introduction, you know, it's getting more exposure. Like Dan said, there, the Bitcoin is growing up. And, uh, but also it's just kind of like, you know, I'm not selling it. So you know, price go up, that's, you know, it's like, it's like the nest egg goes up basically pretty much. Yeah, just keep logging into shake page, take my phone, get the 150 stats <laughs> now. <laughs> listen listen, listen to the podcast we'll, on fountain.
0: <laughs> someday we'll sit around and tell our grandchildren about how we could get 150 satoshis for free by shaking. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> you just shook your phone and they just gave it to you. Whoa, <laughs> Grampy, you must be rich.
2: But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's, yeah. I mean that that silliness aside. No, I was mildly excited just because you know it. Like like Dan said, it just keeps chugging along like it's the Titanic. Mm-hmm. I I'll, I'll just steal all of Dan's analogies and things like that tonight. So we're good with that. Uh, but there wasn't really any real reason aside from the fact I the fact that I know some people who um. Are quote unquote into Bitcoin, but it's because they have the Canadian version of the ETF, and right. this was kind of uh, this is kind of like a "told you it's real" sort of deal. Because they're like, "Oh, well, it's just this is just a stock in it." And there were some other people that were like, "You know, ah, it's just just dark money. It's never going to go anywhere." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Aha! SEC yeah. just said it's legit." Which, I mean, you know, the SEC can't keep their Twitter profile. Stayed, so, <laughs> whatever. <clears throat> but those are pretty much my reactions, more or less.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say there was some, I mean, there was so much hype around it. That, so my fir- my first reaction was kind of disappointment. Um, but what that did is it caused me to then like dig further into the technical details. (laughs) Oh Um, boy. And, and because I was like, well, there's all this volume, but why is there, why is the, you know, the, the, why is the inflow volume not having the corresponding price increase that it should?
0: Mm. You mean the ETF trading volume numbers, right? right? Well,
1: yes. Well, even even if you looked at the inflow numbers, you're like, well, these inflow numbers. but you have to look in and go, oh, but actually there was a bunch of outflow numbers that nobody Mm. really figured Mm -hmm. on and that they kind of balanced each other out. And we're really only just now starting to see net positive inflows to Bitcoin.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that was mostly because of the outflow from Grayscale.
1: Right. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I
0: was looking for. Yeah, was sold a bunch of... Likely to end up being like 2 billion or something? Or is that... Of what? Grayscale? Was it that high? Well, they're approaching
1: approaching 100,000 Bitcoin outflow right now. So whatever the math is on that. But they—they they, they had. I just saw something. They had about six hundred uh, thousand Bitcoin,
2: like
1: and they're down to about five hundred thousand.
2: Wow. Hmm.
1: But the other ETFs are still chugging along. Now that the amount inflows has gone down, but there's still a significant amount of inflow each day or each week however you want to calculate it so over time that is going to start to have an accumulative accumulative effect um
2: especially after the having well yeah i was just about to mention the having but also you know i don't know about you guys but the hr person at my work hasn't called and said oh hey you know we've got this new Bitcoin ETF. If you want to start investing in your, your RRSP or (laughs) or all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, but we don't have the 401k system. Like Americans are used to going, having people go to the employees and say, Oh, what do you want? What do you want to pick from? You know, they start throwing around these terms, apparently like large cap and mid cap and, and equities and bonds and stocks. And it's like, Probably similarly to me, Ben, you've got some pension fund managers somewhere that nobody ever hears from.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. There is no access. You email once a quarter. <laughs> zero, zero access. Like, oh, hey, here, this is the fund that we've got. This is what you've got. And this is how we're managing it. I'm like, oh, cool. Great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> I, I totally trust you. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: They're safely investing in bonds over there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so for me it was an opportunity like because I also happened to be sick during that time when it was when it all when the ETF landed. So I basically was laying at home in bed, not able to go to work, living on Twitter, following the minute by minute, you know, Twitter and (laughs) YouTube. following the minute That's by minute good. updates <laughs> <laughs> from everybody <laughs> and all the fights and the, you know, and everything. I mean, Twitter is just a cesspool anyway, but it's, yeah. So I, I entertaining gave though. Oh, some parts of it, some parts of it. I just, I have to stick to the Bitcoin part. So that some of the other parts get just anyway. So I, uh, anyway, I was able to then use that as opportunity for education and, and dig into more how the ETFs work and the, you know, like the infl- what, what was it, what was affecting all of that market stuff that um, wasn't just as black and white as probably a lot of us plebs thought it was going to be.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> it's definitely a great spot to just to glean some kind of up-to-date information because it just, like, it just happens so fast. That's right. And it's just, you know, it's been there for so long and it just works smoothly. Like I would obviously personally, I'd rather Noster or something like that, but it's just, there's just so much growing, growing pains with all that stuff. You know, you can hang around and utilize it. Because if no one hangs around and utilizes it, then it's just going to be dead and defunct. But once you get uh, once you get most of the kinks worked out and things like that, I'd imagine more and more people will translate to it. But oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll uh, I can go on the show's profile and unfollow the uh, the toxic toxic reformed people if you'd like toxic reformed people
1: <laughs> no that's all good it was actually the uh it's a, it's a, the one that bothers me the most is an unreformed guy but anyway um no no it's all good i, I
2: uh i have my own twitter now <laughs> uh, well i wondered I'm about back. that Yeah.
0: <laughs> That sounds like a different statement when you use their new name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, any other
0: thoughts Yeah, no, I don't on want that? to launch into a whole new topic. No, we now. probably should wrap it up. We're at,
1: we're at about an hour now, so... <laughs> With no introduction, we just sort of started talking and away we went. So, mm-hmm. cold opens—that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. That's right. Cold yeah. opens, just cold plunge everybody straight into it.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Start building up that brown fat reserve. <laughs> I'll I'll spring my other deeper
1: Bitcoin uh, question on you guys next time fair enough talk 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 more about some fundamentals um sounds good and there's no right answer to it that's the great thing so it should be a really good discussion oh fun i like chatting bitcoin yep it's been too long (laughs) anyway thanks everybody for listening thank you guys for showing up tonight and uh hopefully we'll be able to do this more on the regular